had a big head, rounded ears, six feet in the body maybe, with a very, very long tail, very muscular build. As it was walking, it was, it was still looking at me, and that's when I really panicked. It looked at me and thought, oh, oh, there's a human there, I'm not scared. You say, well, I've seen this big cat, and some people just flatly refuse. They think that Britain's such a sweet little island, we shouldn't have predators that size. I heard this growl behind me. Nothing like a dog's growl. And just like anything else in life, you're sat on your own there. I don't care who you are, how brave you are. Something like that will put the shivers up your spine. As she was walking before the cub came out, she flicked this tail. She literally flicked it in the air. And I simply could not believe what I was seeing. It was the most extraordinary feeling. It threw its head back, he said, and it made this sort of round. But when you actually realise that there are big cats living in Britain, it changes everything. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. Why are unofficial big cats being seen, and could these cats even be naturalising without us knowing? If you've had a big cat encounter in Britain and would like to discuss it, email me at rick at bigcatconversations.com. You can find other episodes on the website bigcatconversations.com. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Hello and welcome to episode one. Right at the outset of the podcast series, I'm going to make a brief introduction. Do we have our own big cats living secretly in the wilds of Britain? Well, the main purpose of these podcasts is simple. It's to hear directly from witnesses and for us, the audience, to learn what we can from all of these encounters. I regularly receive people's big cat sightings and hear about their experiences. So I thought it might be helpful to record some of these cases and discuss them on a podcast. Often we won't include people's full names when they come onto the show and we'll keep the locations a bit vague and I hope you can appreciate that's what most people prefer because they don't want their local land invaded or have lots of media attention. In this episode I'll firstly talk to Di in Somerset and then John in Gloucestershire. They have both seen two cats together. I'm joined by our first guest, Di, who is based in South Somerset. And Di has um, had several encounters of, of big cats around the county. And she's going to explain one of the most uh, remarkable cases that happened in 2013, not far from where she lives, in the local countryside. Di, I'm very grateful to you for joining us and being our first guest. Can you explain the first time that you saw this site as you were walking your dog in 2013? I was walking my dogs early one Sunday morning and um, I had gone into this field that had been harvested and I was sort of walking around the hedgerows looking at birds, etc. And I decided to alter my course and I walked up the field 
I stood there looking at the countryside and I turned round and looked at the ridge of trees that was ahead of me, quite a distance, and uh, the hillside fell away and it was divided into four sections, four big fields. Field number four to my right went off into a sort of copse of trees. I didn't go over there, but sort of a copse of trees and much bigger than the other fields. And I noticed something black on the ground and I sort of looked and thought, oh, a bale plastic and didn't think too much. Carried on up the hill and I thought, well, why would he have bale plastic there in the summer? I stood there looking at it and then I thought it might be an Aberdeen Angus calf. Turned and started to go up the hill some more. And then I thought, well, I didn't see any any cattle in the fields, so... I started to walk across the field and the animal started moving and then I realised what it was. I I was astonished. I stood there, my heart was beating like a drum and I was actually quite emotional because, you know, I could see exactly what it was with the uh, its movement, which is like no other animal. I actually rang my daughter up and said... I can't believe what I'm seeing. And she still continued in this slow movement. She flicked her tail up in the air and then just this slow movement again across the field. I was just stunned then. A little a cub ran out from behind her. The cub, I say little cub, it was little compared with the big animal. I would say something of the size of a Staffy Bull Terrier. It was playing. It was like a Labrador puppy running and jumping and running up to its mum. And she was moving her head. Still, she kept on with her same walk. Well, I simply couldn't believe it. I, I was looking down at the ground and thinking, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Anyhow, they I watched them for six minutes until they'd come all the way across the fields and then they just disappeared into the hedge. Absolutely astonishing. Di, you had your mobile phone with you, did you? Because you, you said you phoned your daughter. But yes. It, what about a camera shot? No, but it was too distant. And the only reason, I mean, I, I, I suppose I could have taken a photograph, but it, it wouldn't have come out. I saw the animal so clearly because she was silhouetted against the hillside. The hillside, they'd had sheep in there and it was completely, you know, grazed and the grass was low. So I had got a perfect silhouette. And also for two days, I went up there at the same time. And in field two, there there was a man that I've met often on my walks with two retriever, male retrievers, And he was walking diagonally across the field. And these dogs were small compared with what I'd seen. As I say, I really couldn't believe what I'd seen. I I left it um, a day or so and I put it up on Google Maps. And then I went to see the farmer who I thought owned the field. And when I told them, they weren't at all surprised. He had seen it over a period of years, uh, quite a few times, not, you know, every month or anything like that, but maybe once or twice a year. 
and he'd seen it quite close to. It um, had taken some of his uh, sheep over the years and he did find a carcass in the tree, which surprised him somewhat, but uh, I think it would us all. Now, you deliberately didn't tell him about the cub, is that right? Because you felt it was too sensitive, is that right? No, I didn't, because I'm very interested in this subject and I don't want these animals culled, really. But he did say to me, when he told me about the sheep that had gone missing over a while, he said, well, quite honestly, I don't mind so much to lose a sheep because they also take the fox and the badger and a lot of rabbit. So when that animal's about, they don't have the other problems. So he was tolerant? Yes, I I would think so. Uh, If they started taking too many, I don't think he would, but... Sometimes people say things and they don't always tell you what they're thinking. So, But he wasn't at all excited about what I'd seen. Very interesting. And do you think you were watching a black leopard? Absolutely. Yeah. And she was big. She really was very big. Because I a little while ago, I went over there and there was a patch... I thought it was nettles or something, but in fact, it's an, a sort of indent in the ground. Why, I don't know. And I saw her walk over the top of it, and I, I don't know. I didn't take a tape with me, but I did pace it out, and I would say about five feet. She must have been about five feet long, and this enormous long tail. Any other description you you could I know it was at a distance but any other key descriptions about her no just an intense black which it's a very unusual thing in the countryside to see that intense black Mm. against Um, the green yes yes yeah how long were you watching her before you noticed the cub I suppose about three minutes and I wondered when she was uh, the black was stationary, whether she was feeding the cub. Oh, okay. I'd, I Without you realising it at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, because I didn't know why it was just lying there, you know. It was just stationary. And that's when I thought Aberdeen Angus um, calf. But then there were no other cattle in the field and a, a mother cow doesn't go too far from her her baby. So, But it, it is this intense black which... You know, when you're looking in the countryside, you just don't see that that black except baler plastic. And I think you have looked at pictures of uh, black leopard cubs and similar uh, medium large size cats, cubs, and you reckon it was about two months old? I'm not sure how big leopard cubs are when they're born, whether they are lab retriever size, I don't know. But this was certainly very thick set and chunky. The only thing I can say is like a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, really, but smaller. Did you see her tail at all very well? Yes, I did. As she was walking before the cub came out, she flicked this tail and she literally flicked it in the air and it, it sort of fell back down to the ground and I... I was standing there and I simply could not believe what I was seeing. It was the most extraordinary feeling. And I, I actually felt quite emotional because you you think this is such a rare thing for people to see. And it's very rare to see cubs. I've had a few reports from people and the consistent factor I've 
heard is that people have described them as um, sort of half cat and half teddy bear type in, in appearance. Two, two of the people mm. have, have actually used the word teddy bear. Yeah. Would, is that is that what you can identify I, I, it with? It was quite a long way away, but it, it did appear to be very woolly. And yes, I think teddy bear is quite a good description. And that part of the countryside is not particularly wild and well covered with scrub and woodland, is it, I gather? It is agricultural land. If you go to the west of that area, there is an area of wooded land. And I think this animal probably knew where she was going. Intriguingly, Radio 4 did a feature on uh, leopards for half an hour in 2017 and this um, description and your experience was part of that programme on leopards. So we can't compete with the status of Radio 4 but we can go into a bit more detail in in these programmes. So thank you for that. And we're now going to move on to the rest of the family, as it were, because you and your husband have had other sightings which um, some people are going to think, Gosh, you know, it's difficult enough to see one and to have several. Is this is this sort of plausible? But um, your husband's main best sighting of, of a big black one crossing the road is at an area in the Cotswolds near Andoversford, just to the east of Cheltenham. And I happen to know four other people who've seen one crossing the road in exactly the same spot, all independent witnesses, and two of them were two police officers. So it's interesting when you get this this coincidence of and an consistent reporting in the same area from people who've not met each other, not swapped notes, and but are reporting the same thing. But interestingly, your husband doesn't have the slightest bit of interest in the topic, which I think is perhaps helpful. My other half is the same, and it, it keeps you a bit grounded, it stops you getting carried away, doesn't it? You've become attuned to it because of your sort of several lesser sightings, haven't you? But how do you become attuned to sort of noticing big cats then? One day uh, I was letting my dogs out. We lived in the country. We had field two sides of our house and um, I let my dogs out. My one dog wouldn't leave the back garden and my other one, um, we went out into the lane by our house. All of a sudden she went scooting back and... I put the torch up expecting to see a badger, actually. And this was in January. I put the torch up and to my total horror, I saw two huge yellow eyes that went into crouching position. Yes, I did go in quite quickly. We went straight out with two big beam torches and nothing. And then that started, I started to be interested then, uh, you know, aware I'm not frightened, but I'm just very aware. When I'm out, I love the countryside and I'm, I like looking at all aspects of nature, but I am looking now for this intense black. Mm. I know you speak to various sort of dog walkers and, and farmers when you know them to talk to. Um, one particular farmer has had several reports on his land. My husband had seen it actually one lunchtime. It was going across the field and unmistakable. And my husband's a very calm person. And he just said, uh, we've seen the cat, let's go up and and tell someone who lives further up than us. I left it uh, about two hours, I think, and then I went round to see the farmer whose land this animal had gone across and pretty close to his farm buildings, and he just laughed. And, you know, I looked at him and I said, you know, am I laughing? And he said, 
no. He said, you're not really serious, are you? And I said, yeah, I am. I said, you you just have to be not frightened, but be aware. He's got dairy and he would be up with um, cows calving and, and maybe problems. And of course, you've got the afterbirth. They will smell that. And incidentally, he never clears up afterbirths, which I smiled at him and I said, what do you think has that? And he just looked at me and I thought, well, there you go. Yeah, it's a very but rich source a, of food, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. he's a, an extremely nice man and he lets me go on his land. But I've never seen anything down there, but I know absolutely 100% it goes across his land. I know someone else that has seen a cat on his land, probably half a mile away, and it goes across into his field down diagonally from his property. But when you're on tractor, you're looking at what you're doing, not looking, unless it crosses his field of vision, he's, you know, not going to notice. But he and his son, they do look now. A lot of people are frightened of ridicule when they say they've seen these things. And I'm not now, but people do sort of roll their eyes. But I'm not bothered. (laughs) You are personally cautious and wary yourself when you're dog walking, when you think the cat might be around. Oh, definitely. You're not complacent at all, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, It was Christmas Day 2017. I went up in the car to this particular walk And my dog was clearly terrified. And I actually do think that the cat was very close because she was, she just ran back to the car, followed by me. I walked backwards for a little while and looking around me and I went straight back to the car and I'd hardly got the boot lid up and she was, she whacked her head trying to get in and she was crouching down. I have no idea what that was about, but... Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it that day. But saying that, I go out every day and it's not stopping me doing what I want to do. But I am just aware, back in the winter, someone contacted me. He's very much a countryman. It was a frosty morning. He saw these massive footprints crunched in the frosty grass. The field curved round and then he saw what it was. And it was a very large black leopard. It it saw him and it just jumped straight over the hedge effortlessly. And uh, he's quite a small man. And he did go up and have a look. And uh, he reckons that the hedge was a good five feet. Unfortunately, he couldn't see over to see it going away. But um, I I said to him, you know, were you worried? And he said, no, because it went so I just thought, mm, yes. Interestingly enough, his dog did stand, but it di- it wasn't frightened at all, but it did stand still. So so it noticed it? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that, Di. And the final point to you is your emotional feeling about big cats being about in the countryside. How do you personally feel about big cats being around in the, in the countryside? Uh, as long as they're is no problems with human beings. I don't like the thought of farmers losing their stock, but let them be, really. That is the last thing. I don't want them culled at all. But if you're a farmer and they're coming onto your land, taking quite a lot of your stock, I think 
that's a very different thing and nobody can afford to have someone helping themselves but I have seen footprints and I have seen the scrapes on the ground and I have seen scraping on a tree which was um, quite amazing and that started at six foot one above my head the first measurement of the nail mark was six foot one so something has got to be very big uh, to do that. You actually quite enjoy being alert to those signs it sort of adds adds interest to your walks doesn't it? Yes I love it and if I've found something I'm highly excited. And what do you feel I know that you sort of keep in contact with other dog walkers and other local people and and you're involved in various sort of organizations what do you feel about the awareness of big cats in the area does it just vary depending on people's sort of outlook and people's experience? Most people say no I haven't seen anything but I've heard you know I've heard there's this and I've heard there's that there is one farmer and his wife and he had a a very close encounter someone um, rang him and said oh some of your steers are have broken onto my field and my field isn't stock proof so you know you better go up and move them quick before they sort of get out on the road so he got in his van and shot up there And this was Dimpsey. Dimpsey in Somerset is twilight. And um, he he said to me, he's a very local farmer, and he said, oh, I'm very calm with my animals. I I don't go in waving sticks. I just go and move them and quietly. Well, this field was very rough, and he walked at the side of the fields. He got to the top, saw where they were. They were just grazing. Uh, I think there were half a dozen. And when he came over the next sort of uneven bit, he was greeted by this magnificent black leopard standing there looking at him. And he said, "Um, it's one of those moments when all the hairs stand up on the back of your neck. So he said, you know what I said about being very calm with my animals? He said, well, I wasn't. The cat, apparently, he stood there and the cat ran away back into the trees. Um, He said he ran over the field and yelled and bawled. (laughs) The cattle went down the hill, back through the gap in the hedge. He filled it all up and uh, when he went in, apparently his wife said to him, what's the matter with you? And he said, oh, he said, you must never tell anybody this. And she thought, what is he going to say to me? So he told her the story. And he hasn't even told his son. And I was the only person he'd ever spoken to about it, which is extraordinary. Mm. When I'm doing the big cat stands at rural shows, people will come in and say, I've never told anybody this, but this is this seems the right situation to confide. Yeah. His wife also saw it about six months later. She was um, on their land going up a wooded track with these two little grandchildren who were, I don't know, seven and eight or something. And she saw the plastic, ha, and thought, who's put that there? And then it moved. And then she realised it wasn't plastic. And she grabbed hold of the grandchildren and they stood there the animal went off into the hedge. And um, so I said to her, I bet you went down the hill a bit quick. And she said, no. She said, I can't continue on the walk. 
And I said, oh, right. <laughs> I, and she said, no, it had gone. I was a bit shocked, but now I think people seem to just take it in their stride here. But they've neither of them have ever told anybody before. Yeah, that's how it goes. It, you know, it's um, many people only tell their close friends or family, if at all. Thank you very much, Di. Really appreciate you being our first guest on Big Cat Conversations. In this brief interval, it's time for our first Word of the Week on the podcast series. Now, Di queued us up nicely by mentioning the Somerset term for twilight, which is dimpsy. Well, our Word of the Week this week is the Latin word for twilight, which is crepuscule, or in English, as we use the term, crepuscular. That means animals that are more active at twilight or dawn and dusk. And animals that are more active in a day are diurnal, and animals that are predominantly active in darkness are nocturnal, of course. Now, why is crepuscular more important for big cats? Well, that's because a great many sightings, a good proportion of reports, come at dawn and dusk. They may be the first dog walker in the morning, the last dog walker at night, and big cats will be more active in twilight times because their main source of prey is more active at that time, the deer in Britain. And of course, big cats have lantern-like retinas in their eyes, which gives them the upper hand at that time of day to stalk their prey. Indeed, this links us to our next guest who had his encounter at 10 to 6 in the morning. Okay, well, our next guest is John from Dursley, and that's a market town in mid-south Gloucestershire. We're out on location, actually. Many of the podcast interviews are on the phone or uh, inside, but we thought we'd come to the spot where John had his encounter. And it was autumn 2014. So if you can hear some background noise like building site work and people walking past, we're out on location. It's a summer afternoon in mid-July, so there will be some local noise. But that's partly to emphasise that we're on the edge of a market town, close to residential areas, close to a big school. Um, And just to get your bearings, we are about five miles east of the River Severn, five miles east of Slimbridge, in fact. John had a close-up encounter which he'll talk us through and it started when he was cycling to work at this very spot we're at. This is a little green corridor that runs uh, at the edge of town. Um, But John, so you were uh, cycling in the morning to work, 10 to 6, and you saw a little moggy come out of 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 the woodland. The first thing I noticed, it was running up towards me and it was just a little black and white domestic moggy and uh, I looked down at it thinking... That's poor little Moggy. I've, I've scared that. I've really scared that. Mm-hmm. And it wriggled under a fence. It really seemed quite frightened. I thought, oh, you know, quite poor, poor little thing. And as I looked up down the way I was down the track, I was cycling about sort of uh, 15 yards in front of me. There was two big pumas had come across the track up from another track, and they were just crossing and stepping off my path onto the grass bank just down here, Rick. And uh, they just they just seemed huge i was just looking at them thinking wow they're just big thick legs big long bodies and 
they were just side by side and I was just looking at them thinking they were at least four four and a half feet maybe a bit more and long without the tail they were just absolutely the bodies of these things were immense yeah Adult, adult cats. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah really large. Yeah. You were saying you first assumed that they were um, golden retrievers or something, is that right? It's, well, it... Because you I weren't expecting looked, pumas. Yeah, I wasn't expecting pumas, but just the sheer bigness of them, it was just bigger than any dog, you know, it was just, just the thickness of the legs, and the, I sort of thought, yeah, what's that? But it soon come to cat, yeah, really quickly. And you saw it? their tails okay? I didn't know. I think the tails probably just were hanging low down because I was just concentrating on looking across the two because they were side by side and just thinking they're immense and the one behind looked a little bit longer than the other. But what took me was as they were stepping off the path there and there is a street like, you know, just, just a few yards away and it was just that thickness of that leg as they, they stepped off and that's what sort of stuck in my mind is these mm. big, long, yeah. And the little cat had definitely sensed them and was running away. Yeah, because it it ran towards me, and I was trying to think I've scared it, but it ran towards me, which was quite odd, yeah. And I think it had clocked them and legged it up my way, so... Yeah. And you, although it was um, early dusk, presumably, the the, the street lights along this sort of cycleway, walkway, illuminated the views. Oh, yeah, they were well, yeah, they were, it was well lit up, yeah. I mean, and I've got the lights on the bike, and, but... Yeah, the lighting's great, and so I, I, they just stepped across and come on up this bank here, and it was short grass then. As I cycled past where they'd crossed, I was looking back up at them, and they just come up to this edge of the trees line here and just sat there. I carried on down a little bit further, and I was probably not even 70 yards away, and I stopped. I thought, I'm going to have a good good look at these cats, and sort of, you know, they, and they were facing sort of 45 degrees away from me, and just sat there, and I shone my torch up off the bike, so I've got like a little zoomable one, and I could see the white underside of their bellies, and they just didn't look at me, they just carried on looking sideways on, and I shouted at them, like, what are you, at the top of my voice, and they didn't look, didn't look towards me or anything, and I thought, right, I wanted to see them get up and move, sort of, again, and just to watch them, and I just shouted out at the top of my voice, get out of it and really shouted and they just didn't look at me they just and then i had this sudden feeling of dread sort of seeing you know there's two big cats out and they're not intimidated they're not they're not even acknowledging me yeah quite a strange thing and i just got back on my bike and went on down the down the path there and you you had a you, t- you were telling me you had your phone which has got a camera on it in yeah, your yeah. backpack oh yeah 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 but you didn't think to get that out? Didn't, no. I mean, as soon as I got to work, actually, someone said, I said, I've just seen two cats, and did you take a photo? And it didn't even cross my mind, yeah, it didn't. I just was looking at them thinking, wow, that is just, they, these are big cats, yeah. Mm. Having said that, to get it out of your rucksack from yeah. the backpack oh, well, would have t- taken 30 seconds or oh, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, to get it out and then up into camera mode, yeah. I mean, yeah, I... At that time, I wasn't going around anymore. So it, yeah. Uh, How? What was your overriding emotion, John? Just were you scared in the end of it of the situation? Yeah, I mean, although they weren't threatening, they didn't even acknowledge me. The feeling of these two big cats, yeah, the possibility, of, but they just totally ignored me. And after that experience, I rode down this track twice in three months because it shook me up that much that it just. I had to get my head round the my head round the 
this fear and just conquer it. Because as a lad, I'd walk anywhere in the countryside. It mm. never, you know, never ever entered my mind that there was anything like this. And it, yeah, yeah it, talking to Frank and you, and Frank was saying, you know, these, well, they didn't even acknowledge you. They weren't bothered by you and they weren't threatening. And it took me a while still. But yeah, now I ride, ride down here every day. I go to work, really, virtually every day. So yeah. it's... And I even stop at the place I've seen them and look down the track to see where they come up from and if there's anything about. And, you know, these last three years, I've nothing since. But every day I do think of it. I think I'm just going to stop and have a look. Yeah. What do you think they were doing, John? I don't know if it was a mating. I'd like to think it was two couples together mating. And, and that's my thought, because they didn't seem bothered by me or... Or anything, it was almost like I was an inconvenience, and they just sat there waiting for me to go. So I don't. Or it could have been a mother and a, a large cub, you know, a male yeah. cub, but they were big, fully grown. So mm-hmm. my my thought is that I'd like to think that they were a main couple. Yeah, really, yeah. because yeah, because they've been with each other for about a week or so when that, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Since when, when I've, I've read up, well, on them, yeah, and they're there together for a week. So it's mm. it's a rare thing, but it's yeah. Any other description on any markings? Then no blotchy spots. No, well. I couldn't really notice that. Not when Which I was they riding when down. Younger. Yeah, I no, definitely no side markings of any spots. And as I was riding, they just looked smooth. Very mm. job to tell under the under light what colour it was. They were either grey or light tan brown. I don't, you know, but they were light. They were in a black panther, like a lot of people see. So mm. it was very different. Do you think you could have done anything? to have made the situation a bit hairy if you'd have reacted a different way? If I'd have then decided to approach them when I didn't scare them, may have. I, they may have just got up and left, I don't know. But uh, I certainly wasn't willing to... I mean, I was. I stopped, like I said, a bit further on down the track and looking up at them. And, but I, yeah, after their non-acknowledgement of me, I wouldn't have uh, wanted to approach them because yeah. I already knew in my head what they were. And it was enough just to stop the brakes and think, I'm going to have a look at this. Presumably some of your colleagues noticed you were a bit shaken up, didn't they? At work? But I know you're saying some of them didn't believe you, is that right? Yeah, quite a few didn't believe, quite a few take the mix still now. Like, And, you know, if I'm reading a magazine, they'll say, is that Big Cat Weekly you're reading and things and have a laugh. And I'm, I'm quite willing to let them have a laugh about it, there's no harm. So, but, uh, yeah, there's a few that open-minded about it and quite a few that still yeah wouldn't have anything and i'm not sure whether that's out of fear in themselves that there's a cat out there because they don't accept it i, mm, I don't know but a denial is yeah but yeah. denial is if it's if i don't if it's not there if i say it isn't i don't know but it's yeah mm. different characters some quite open-minded and some are just adamant they're not yeah yeah, yeah. would you like to See them again in the in the right circumstances. Yeah, I, yeah, I would love to. I really would, uh, preferably through binoculars. Would be a lot nicer. Yeah. Just studying them from a, a field away would be great. Yeah, I would mm. really love to. Mm. But uh, up close, yeah, maybe sat in the car up close might yeah. be all right if one crossed the road. But mm. uh, I'd feel pretty safe then. But uh, yeah, and you've done you've done a lot of reading and research and um, thinking about pumas since, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I do a lot of. I've got probably about 15 cameras the camera traps out around the local woodlands and places um yeah i'm always out walking the dogs looking for any sign of a anything a bit of scat or a scratch on a tree or a footprint in the mud just mm. yeah always in fact 
I wouldn't say a day goes by and I don't think about cats now, really. It's sort of that yeah. that hooked on seeing them again, like you said, even if it's a picture on me in my camera to say, that's it. But it's, yeah, it's mm. really captured me as just want to find out more about them. Yes, and um, that's not because you want to prove their existence to people necessarily if i've got this right it's more that you're just being curious and it's yeah i'm just curious um yeah i I wouldn't i don't think i'd go to the sun newspaper or something and say hey look i've got a photo i i think that would do more on the good i think they're from everywhere around the uk it's apparently you know there's been no incidents of cats harming anyone so i really wouldn't want to put them in danger of putting it out there Mm. And getting some people that might want to want to harm them. Yeah, so. yeah. It strikes me where we are, sort of um, ten meters from this cycleway walkway. Mm. It's pretty similar to what you would get in California and Oregon and other sort of western uh, states of America, where cougars, mountain lions, pumas—it's yeah. the same cat—are are resident and and. Um, uh, native and they can spend you know much of the day lying up resting close to walkways where people are cycling past and toddlers are running past with their parents but they're just resting up uh, and the radio collared data shows that that cats yeah. can be there um, not bothered by humans and not bothering humans mm. and you know we, we're standing by a sort of dense copse by the walkway and it's a belting hot day and um, any animal wanting shade and cover would just go into this copse and and retreat there and um, sleep and rest, I guess. So maybe maybe we have got a sort of replica situation here to where their native lands are. Yeah, I mean, well, there's oh, like I ride down here every day, so it's and I see deer and fox, badger, even the odd rabbit sometimes. So it's yeah, there's plenty and squirrel. So there's in fact, I'd say in this little this little green there, there's probably more wildlife than in a lot of the countryside. It's, yeah, it's a very secluded little place, but it. Yeah, seems to have a lot of wildlife. It's a classic green corridor sort yeah, of thing, wildlife yeah. corridor. Yeah. You've partly covered it, um, John, but your thoughts about big cats being in the wild in Britain and sort of possibly naturalising, what's your personal view on that, about good, bad, indifferent, and the issues that that presents? Um, I think people, would, if they really knew they existed, would fear would take in a lot, and they would probably persecute them like they do in a lot of countries, and... I think, to me, they haven't harmed anyone and they're great for the ecosystem from what I've been researching. Fantastic creatures to have about, but the fear factor could, yeah, Mm. could cause. And so that would, you know, people would have to be educated a lot better on Mm. big cats. But I'd love them to be here as a recognised species and left alone. I think they're fantastic. And Mm. it it puts you on that edge, which is, you know... it's not always a pleasant feeling. Sometimes when I'm out in the woods in the middle of my own, I think there could be a cat. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that, having a bit of fear, because I think it's good, a bit of humility, or humi- mm. that feeling that you aren't the, the king of the jungle and it puts you in your place a little bit. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, really. Mm. Yeah, I'm out with the dogs, walking the dogs, and that's all every day, really, and I'm always looking for signs and mm. mixing up areas. So I cover different places always on the lookout so yeah it's um a lot of my free time yeah is is taken up by it and even just thinking about 
where would be a good location to put a camera and doing a bit of research and Google Earthing and thinking that could be a good spot. Mm. So, and you've got quite a bias towards pumas. I mean, yeah, I have. Yeah, I really have because <laughs> far more sightings of black panthers, but because of what I've seen, it um, it drew me more to the unusual cat, and I just love to see it again. Really, yeah. Mm. And, sort of proved to other people but yeah not through newspapers say look this is the cat i've seen you know i yeah. just have it I'll probably just have it on my wall in my house and that's the only picture that's going to be up anywhere but yeah, yeah. it would be great yeah very good uh, and you reckon that they were such a similar size because we've been trying to say come on john was it a mother and older yeah. youngster or was it two was older daughters literally or when i looked at the time six inches in it i think there was probably yeah just six in, but one was definitely slightly bigger than the other so mm. did one seem more dominant in, in its behavior than the other or was it so difficult to tell in that no, situation they were pretty much side by side almost the way yeah. they yeah pretty much level and I was just looking over the one to the other one's shoulders, you know, and it just, yeah, it was just sizing them really and thinking they're they're massive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course it is pretty rare to have a sighting of two together. I mean, t- most of the uh, wildcat species are solitary, uh, but of course they're not always solitary in their lifestyles. They will cooperate sometimes, meet mm-hmm. together, but um, the textbooks and a lot of the observations suggest that these cats are often solitary in their l- lifetime, and most witnesses only see one, but you're a rare witness that has seen two adults together. Yeah, it's quite, yeah. well, as you said, for a week they get together to mate, and probably a female every 18 months, two years, so yeah, you're talking 100 weeks, one week of that, they might be together, so yeah, it's quite a rare sort of uh, quite a rare sighting yeah which yeah. is sort of amazing but uh, yeah it's, uh, a lot of people have said to me you've seen two <laughs> yeah yeah there we are yeah John that's been wonderful to hear your experience mm-hmm. and um, it's so intriguing to hear the way it's influenced you and that you want to learn more about it so yeah big I thanks. think I'll be continuing for many years it's a very slow going progression but it's uh yeah just finding more out of them. it's quite hard work but uh, i totally enjoy it because it's not an instant gratification of it's a very slow process but every bit of scat or print i find is just great reward so yeah. uh, but it can be months six months between finding a trace of possibly a cat and you, yeah yeah very very slow hard work but it's mm. yeah and mm. it's good, I mean, you find it's good to be with a network of people who can oh, swap yeah. notes and give you a judgment on whether that's worth sending to a lab or checking under a microscope oh, great. or what you yeah. do next. What, yeah, oh. it's constant detective work, isn't it? It's great because you get the feedback from other people of what they think of a photo and their thoughts, is it a dog or, yeah. And, um, yeah. I ought to say, you just talk cat with people and totally go yeah i don't you know don't look at you as if you're an alien yeah so it's yeah that's the great bit as well it's just a straight talk cat with someone yeah, yeah. and swap notes with other witnesses of course yeah but, yeah but you've just reminded me that i would say from what you've shown me on snippets of what you've got on your trail cameras today mm. you've got at least one video clip yes. that is tantalising and that you yeah, think is yeah. a big cat and it could be. It's not sort of, it's just too rapid, isn't it? Yeah, the um, way it's, it's sat there it and the yeah. way it accelerates is you can see it turn its head from the eye shine into the camera and then it runs and it is so quick. And, and there is something else beyond that. And there's also a sound of something being killed like a rabbit or a hare. So it's quite a quite a clip. But I don't think it would get any sceptic to say, oh, yeah, I can see what you mean. 
but just the way it behaved and the, the acceleration to a lot of the people in our sort of cat cat group of yeah they're all coming back saying you know they think it's cat and they're very sort of they're very harsh when they look at a video because yes. we they, know we're biased as it yeah, were but we have to undo biased, that bias we really objective, look yeah. at it objectively and think you know the group know a lot about cats and mm. their movements and the way they would accelerate fast mm. and things like that which a lot of people wouldn't so yeah mm. and that's inc- you must see that as encouraging that you feel you've got a big cat on camera uh, yeah good yeah. enough to sort of be influential but you know you, you yeah. can do oh, it yeah. as it were yeah. it's uh yeah it was a great sort of and that was only within probably the first six months less than that i think that i got that first snip and then nothing really for the next well, two two plus year two and a half years so it's you say that john but yeah. you've got another blob a still picture which is a sort of big black blob and yeah 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 that we're all interpreting it in different yeah, ways but some of us yeah. are interpreting it with a sort of protruding big thick tail yeah and i'm one of those but we recognize again it's not going to influence it's, anybody yeah, I think it's getting, but yeah it's um yeah i've got that picture and i got a um, footprint in the mud mud, which is very yeah to me is just not dog it's just there is dog surrounding that print and that is not dog in the middle of it yeah so it's quite good and scat finds find a few very large scats so yeah the quest continues yeah yeah it really does it's 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 good fun really it's well when you're out walking a dog every day you're doing you're multitasking i always say you're looking for the cat and walking the dog so keeping your mind alive Yeah. yeah yeah excellent John, thank you so much for being one of our early guests on the podcast series. Mm-hmm. That's been a terrific start to this oh, show. It's been a pleasure to talk cat. <laughs> Great. Thank you, John. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember that you go to the website, which is bigcatconversations.com, if you want a bit of background info. And you can email me if you want to get in touch with any aspects of the show. Coming up in uh, the next set of episodes, we're going to be in the southwest to go to Exmoor and look at the Exmoor Beast We're also going to go to Leicestershire and talk to researchers and people who've had encounters there, uh, Buckinghamshire and North Scotland. So we will be getting around the place. Thanks for listening, everybody, and see you next time.